Hello! Welcome along to the show. Episode 30. Welcome. It's Chappie. Hello. You know what? I've had a cup of tea. I've had a dash of honey in there. And I've had a hobnob. And I feel re-energized now. Ready for the second session. I'm pushing on. I've done the swimming part. So I had the full butler outfit for the first part of the triathlon. I had the morning coat, I had the bow tie, I had the starch collar, I had the trousers, so I swum, I swum the, I swum the English channel of podcasting in my butler outfit. That's the first part. Now, I'm now starting on the bike ride here. I, I'm riding a bike with a, a bell and a basket, so I'm not going too fast. That's why I'm not out of breath at the moment for the second part of this triathlon of podcasting today, Friday, the 16th of October. And you're very welcome. Episode 30. So here we go again. Here we go again with another bumper edition of uh, of the podca- podcast here. So some of the things that we may or may not be talking about uh, on this podcast, on this 30 edition of the podcast here, is... How do you wear your cardi? So how do you wear, how does one wear one's cardi? Um, also, designer tights run for £750. Um, priest busted for having threesome and altar with dominatrix. Uh, we do, we are having our scallywag darts. We are having our historical tinder. Weathering the storm and autumn glamping trip to Norfolk. Gently ridiculed Henry VIII's love lice with a satirical Letter from the Antichrist will be part of this uh, show. Turmeric, the golden spice, is a sports star secret weapon. I know I go on about it a lot. Neurologists show that our brains are built to talk over class barriers. Puppy dog eyes staring straight at you. The best Scotch whiskeys to buy right now. The queen of the ocean shark is tagged in Nova Scotia after raining for 50 years. And don't sleep around. You'll live longer if you're a baboon. Um, and plus, some of the things that we didn't talk about last time around, odd things one finds after separating and divorce. Um, have you ever had anything prickly in your bed? Uh, I want to be the new Siri, introducing everybody to clodhoppers, Apple secret chip lag, a weird stalking religious letter, and rubbing meat paste into my slippers. You're very welcome. We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, so I, I would, I would too have a cup of tea right now, a strong one. Let the spoon stand up there. It needs to be reddish. It can't be weak. You need a dash of milk in there, and maybe a little bit of honey, just to add that little bit of energy for the remaining part of the podcast. So, been clearing out a lot of things recently. Um, you know, separation, divorce brings this thing on. So, the, the odd things one finds uh, in this in this time. It's strange, you know. So you're packing everything away, packing stuff up, and and then you suddenly find things. So the other day, I found some bright red tassels in a random box that the corgi had chewed up. So Maggie had released this rather unusual object and started chewing on it. And they're red, bright red tassels, you know. So the question I'm asking 
are these were these tassels for holiday decoration? Were they nipple tassels? Or were they holiday nipple tassels, ladies and gentlemen? So one of my very, very favorite actors, Rupert Everett, absolutely lovely chap. He was in a rather horrible movie with Madonna that I really liked. One of my favorites, actually. Um, And uh, My Best Friend's Wedding. He played Julia Roberts' friend in that. And he's also an exceptional writer. But Rupert Everett fears to be rude in the online age. He was an actor who slew every sacred cow and whose memoir set a new bar for rudeness by Hollywood Insider. Now Rupert Everett is scared to be honest because of the judgmental cauldron of hags in the virtual world. Everett, 61, he doesn't look it. Um, and a writer, director, uh, an actor, said until this year he felt free to say as he find it. He also provoked controversy in the past with comments of gay marriage and trans rights. Um, but his memoir, Red Carpets and Other Banana Skins, which is a marvellous book, it's up there with David Niven's The Moon's a Balloon, which is another fabulous Hollywood uh, biography, took aim at a galaxy of stars, including Julia Roberts, who is called as skittish as a racehorse, Sharon Stone described as deranged, Helen Mirren, she used to be a true bohemian, but since her Oscar for the Queen, she's become a little bit more Damia. I wonder if I'd ever be described as Damia. It's fantastic, isn't it? A little bit, uh, a little bit snooty. You know, it's almost, it's, you can imagine saying, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Terrible thing that celebrities always do. At the Times and Sunday uh, Cheltenham Literary Festival, Everett said he no longer felt able to talk openly in public and cut himself off during a conversation. Referring to the former East German security service, we're in a weird new kind of world, a kind of Stasi world where you don't, if you don't reflect exactly the right attitude, you risk everything being destroyed for you by this judgmental, sanctimonious, intransient, intractable, uh, invisible cauldron of hags in the virtual world. It's a cancel culture, Rupert, that's, uh, that uh, has become uh, has come a foot in the recent times here. I mean, nobody likes to laugh anymore. Every Every dash of humour has to be scrutinised under the microscope and put into the vernier calipers to be examined and measured before it can go out. Um, but anyway, his, his autobiography um, that, that, was, that was written in 2006 is Red Cops and Other Banana Skins. I highly recommend it. It's an excellent read. It's very queenie. It's very beautifully written, and it's incredibly amusing. So royals don't deserve this baseless psychobabble, um, writes Libby Purvis. Robert Lacey's new book about princes, William and Harry, tells more about the royal criminologists, Kremlinologists, than the Windsors. The book is headline fodder, Battle of the Brothers, a Family in Tumult. Robert Lacey had been writing about royals for more than 40 years and turns out now with an ill-conceived delight to Prince William and Harry and claims the royal family took fright over title, compares the Sussex's move to the abdication crisis. Though so far the only monarch involved in firmly, firmly in city with the two direct heirs standing by and the next three in training, lisping charmingly at David Attenborough. Um, so the one thing about this article that I found very interesting is the Kremlinologists, and it's incredibly difficult to say, you have to sort of train your teeth to, to, to speak profit, C- um, comparing himself to the Cold War Kremlinologists, Kremlinologists, deducing which uh, Soviet figures were out of favour, Lacey veils his facile conclusions with repeated phrases such as must have felt. He uses tricks such as Harry and Meghan, 
were seething as their Air Canada flight made it to its dawn touchdown, which artfully combines a checkable fact with a mere surmise. The Queen's feelings are ascribed to those in the know. The brothers' relationships with father and grandparents are stated firmly, but entirely unattributably. William is said to be confided to a friend and named, but he couldn't deal with his brother, and the author decides that his previous affections seem to be based on some element of control. In one allegation of no-speak hostility, Lacey hastily adds that the elder prince has not confirmed his friend's speculation about it. He doesn't mention that the same applies to every other statement he made about the man's emotions. So I think the thing is, you have to remember, and I think The Crown's excellent, by the way. I'm actually a little bit behind. I'm a few series behind, and I'm going to catch up in the coming weeks. I, there's something about The Crown. I love to watch it in the autumn and, and, and winter around Christmas time. There's something very... Uh, lovely about it. I think it's probably being brought up near Sandringham House in the in the UK, where the the Queen resides at Christmas time. A beautiful estate, and you can uh, go and see the Queen and and the royal family as they come out um, of the, um, the St Mary's Church, I believe, um, on Christmas Day, and you can give flowers to the Queen, flowers to the Queen, uh, give flowers to Princess Diana, Charles, um, Harry, William, Meghan. Uh, all of them. But the thing is, it, it, and, and everybody talked about the monarchy going out of favour in the 90s and the Annus Horribilis in 1992 when Windsor Castle only burnt down and and um, you had uh, the separation of uh, of Charles and Diana. The, the monarchy's actually become really interesting again. So there's a lot more books about it. This, uh, you know, this is why I think some of this stuff's manufactured about William and Harry falling out. Just to sell books, just to sell newspapers. But they've become interesting. Meghan's injected some interest into the royal family, you know, probably as Diana did or Wallace Simpson did back in the day, just injecting a little bit of controversy, a little bit of opinion, a big personality. That's what it is. And uh, and, and they're selling books and newspapers again. So they're becoming they're becoming becoming interesting in some of these uh, articles and uh, uh, and things that have been going on in the royal family have been very, very overblown. So another question, I mean, I was rolling over in the bed the other day and I, you know, sometimes find the occasional leaf or twig that a dog brings in, which is highly painful. Not as painful, I mean, the most painful thing in the world is stepping on Lego in the middle of the night, but also try stepping on a rawhide bone and getting your toe through the centerpiece where the bone marrow has been chewed out. So you get your toe hooked on a piece of bone marrow rawhide chew in the middle of the night and your toe's almost dislocated. But something else, have you, so I, I had a midnight feast of night, couldn't sleep and I was hungry. Have you ever spilt mini wheats or shredded wheats in the bed? I swear those shards of wheat are like death by a thousand piercings. It's almost like being a, uh, on a bed of wheat um, a bed of, you know, a bed of nails, a bed of wheat, like nails. It's almost like medieval serial acupuncture. Absolutely painful. And you can't get rid of it. It's stuck in your back. It's, you know, you'd, maybe it would leave, relieve back pain if you roll over onto a shredded wheat and it prongs you. It could relieve all sorts of terrible pain and discomfort. So maybe that's what I should do. I should have a bed of shredded wheat, a bed of nails of shredded wheat, roll around in it and it might reduce all sorts of pain. So as I said, this is almost a, uh, a monkey special here uh, on the podcast, episode 30. Don't sleep around, you'll live longer if you're a baboon. 
Male baboons that have platonic relationships with female friends live longer, research has suggested. Scientists long believed that the male of the largest monkey species had a narrow focus when it came to the opposite sex. But a study in Kenya found that those were more general bonds enjoyed life-enhancing boosts. Data gathered in Ambrosia um, National Park over 35 years shows that males were content with going no further than grooming with certain females lived longer than their peers and were isolated or preoccupied with mating. A team at Duke University estimated the strength of the bonds in each baboon's inner circle by measuring how often they picked through their fur of their closest contacts. So they're looking for fleas. It's like a foreplay. A flea play, not a foreplay, a flea play. Uh, removing ticks is almost one of the primates' routine, but grooming is also an also a baboon's way of bonding and relieving stress. It's like, you know, baboon manscaping, I suppose, or fleascaping. The study pr produced in the Journal of Philosophical Transactions of the Royal Society found that males with strong female friendships were 28% more likely to make it to the next birthday than their isolated counterparts. Studies show that friendships are as important for human longevity as losing weight and exercising. It really does suggest that the importance of social bonds goes really deep in our evolutionary history. So baboons are also practicing, hopefully, safe sex. I mean, would they double bag, you know, double bag the, you know, the ground there or the crown jewels with banana leaves? Could you wrap, you know, double banana leaves to make it even safer? I mean, I have heard about monkeys getting drunk on very ripe fruit. But, you know, how about a randy baboon finding horny goat weed? That's a whole nother story. So the second part of our monkey special, baboon special. Russian fake news outlets claim Oxford coronavirus vaccine turns people into monkeys. Russia's fake news factories are churning out bananas, claiming that Oxford University's COVID vaccine turns people into monkeys. Memes, posters and videos depicting the British-made vaccine set to be dis uh, distributed by AstraZeneca as uh, dangerous have been found flooding the internet. Russia fake news memes about the British-made coronavirus vaccine have been shown on Vesti News. A meme of Boris Johnson Bigfoot holding a folder headed AstraZeneca is also thought to be a ploy targeting countries such as Brazil and India where Russia wants to sell its Putin-backed uh, Sputnik V vaccine. One poster featured an image of King Kong wielding a strange saying, don't worry, monkey vaccine is fine. Another shows Boris Johnson walking into Downing Street. And the Street. vaccine? It, the vaccine's going to be... Walking into Downing Street. That's Ivanka Trump suddenly appeared on there. Walking into Downing Street, but it, they edit to make him look like a Yeti. So you're Boris looking like a Yeti with a caption, I like my Bigfoot vaccine. A third meme shows a chimpanzee in a lab coat from pharmaceutical giant AstraZeneca, who's manufacturing the Oxford vaccine. The animal is smiling with a syringe in his hand as a poster in the background seems to imply the vaccine will reverse evolution. The disinformation campaign claims that the vaccine could turn people into monkeys, which many fear will encourage conspiracy theorists and the anti-vaccine va uh, movement. I urge people that there's a reliable source of information to trust regulatory agencies. Remember the enormous um, benefit of vaccines. The harmful campaign is featured on Vesti News in Russia, dubbed Oxford's work as a monkey vaccine. Virus often uses vectors that can deliver genetic information to a cell or the human body. The vector transports genetic material from coronavirus to the cells. So we don't actually have any chimpanzees involved in the process, says some of the scientists, of making the vaccine, because it's all about the virus rather than animals. 
So apparently the Russian fake news outlet have tried to uh, spread disinformation across the world. And a site linked to Brussels, which called 20,000 unique visitors, is still displaying one of the harmful coronavirus vaccine memes. Hillary Jones' doctor told Good Morning Britain it's absolutely ridiculous and shameful. Oxford have a very reliable team. That's where penicillin was created and was produced for the Second World War. And they have a fabulous, uh, fabulous uh, uh, reputation. But the, the thing is, though, I mean, it has Boris. I, I mean, first of all, I, I suppose a Yeti or, or Sasquatch, Neanderthal, Bigfoot was was part monkey, I suppose. It's got Boris Boris Johnson with a monkey's or a Yeti's face, a Yeti's hands or monkey's hands, Planet of the Apes type of thing going on, holding these AstraZeneca files here. Um, and it makes me ask the question, Boris buffoon or baboon so as always uh, it seems like some of these articles how to wear your cardi is just talking about ladies wearing cardigans how about men i love a, i love a baggy cardi so i want to know how a man should wear a cardi cardigans rarely hit the headlines katie holmes went out in a cashmere off the shoulder cardi recently um uh, with matching cashmere bra um totally lacking support uh, the, the 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 more endowed ladies googled in disbelief with Katie wearing this this uh, this cardigan, um, but uh, Aisha Vardag, a top city divorce lawyer, who runs her own practice, told staff not to wear cardigans or anything homespun or homely, which neither none of her business or fair enough, depending on where, if you work for it. She's not entitled to say that, but there is something dispiriting about cardigans. You throw them on because they're chilly not because we actively love them. I love my cardigan. You know, a little navy blue cardigan and a striped seersucker shirt. Absolutely fantastic. The fashionistas would like to wear them belted tightly over miniskirts. That's where I've been going wrong. I need to wear the cardi with my miniskirt, I think. Bardo's style suggests that it's dismissed as lunacy. Even the thinnest, most flat-chested of us, so no mood men, I guess, um, would look good with them either belted or tucked in. I've never tucked my cardi in, though. This is why I need, I, I, I do need the fashion advice. This is where I probably need, need Queer Eye for the Straight Guy right now. Um, how does a man, how should a man wear his cardi? I need the help of the Queer Eyes for the Straight Guy cast to, 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 to solve this this problem that's probably affected men for a millennia who wear cardigans, you know, is it okay to buy? Could I, could I wear a higher belt with my cardi? Maybe these are, these are big questions, serious questions in a serious world. So we have another enigmatic English eccentric Hurst. Jeremy Hurst of Royal Cliff, Yorkshire gained fame from his eccentric habits. From a young age, he has a fascination with animals and training them. School, he was trailed by a pet hedgehog and tamed jackdaw. According to the local legend, his eccentricity exploded after his untimely death of his fiancée. Hearst then set to his mind for training his most famous animal, Jupiter the Bull. Jupiter was trained to act like a horse. Hearst even rode him in hunts using pigs instead of hounds. Jupiter also pulled Hearst's coach. This coach was shaped like an onion and made from wicker. When George III heard of Hearst, he invited him down to London. The king was much impressed by Hearst, who wore his brightest clothes to the event and gave her several bottles of wine. 
her stay died at the age of 91. So it, it makes me laugh. I mean, this is this is why the Brits are, will, will never have a firm footing in the US anymore. When you've got George III, the infamous George III in America, inviting a incredibly lunatic eccentric because he liked the sound of them and giving him bottles of wine. No, no wonder, no wonder nobody uh, believes us, trusts us, or takes us seriously anymore. Okay, so this is where we take some of the most heinous headline crimes of the week and we equate them to a game of darts. So we have missing, missing the ball, triple twenty, uh, bullseye, and uh, chocolate special prize. So again, uh, we got missing the board this week. Uh, mortified mum discovers daughter five taking her lube to school to use as hand sanitizer. Um, let's hope she didn't rub the hand sanitizer over the never regions. It might kill COVID, crabs, and other mollusks. Um, and then uh, we have our probably our, 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 our triple twenty this week here. Instagram model with the biggest cheeks in the world claims that they are too small. So that's an Instagram model, claims that her cheeks are, are, are too small, biggest cheeks in the world. They, 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 I think there needs to be a cheek off between the Instagram model, these are face cheeks by the way, and Kim Kardashian with the bottom cheeks. Maybe they could leverage a rope between the different cheeks and compete in an alternative tug of war. And, and, and of course, the, if you've ever had a chance to eat beef cheeks, they're an absolute delicacy. The, 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 we're going into French cuisine now. Again, Chappie's mind is wandering from uh, from one sort of cheek to uh, fabulous braised beef cheeks and red wine. Um, and uh, man beats his own record after sitting in a tub of ice for two hours. That's uh, that's uh, missing the board here. Um, but I think we do have our uh, our uh, our bullseye um, our bull our bullseye prize here. Um, news leak, NASA is testing new $23 million titanium space toilet. So that's our, uh, we've got our bullseye there. So, um, uh, you know, that NASA's testing a $20 million uh, toilet. Um, apparently, though, um, it went, whilst they're up in space, they have a ruby-tipped toilet snake uh, and a, ton, a tungsten-coated plunger, which could cost $2 million. Uh, A double flush could make you bankrupt. But I think our, our uh, Chappie's special prize, sex shop gives away toys to make uh, America orgasm again. A sex shop in the US is offering female customers free red, white and blue vibrators if they pledge to vote in the upcoming White House uh, election um, in a few weeks time here. Uh, make America orgasm again, 20, 22,000 vibrators in a promotion dubbed the Great American Orgasm. And you get the American flag and stickers uh, on there as well. Um, I mean, it, do, it does it does make one uh, one think here. It's almost like I came, I saw, I conquered, I suppose. Um, but politicians notoriously do have big heads, so they probably would make excellent uh, rubber sex toys. So Siri is really the gift that keeps on giving, I think, uh, when you're asking Siri for different commands. So I do have the uh, the British butler Siri um, on my phone. Um but I found out the other day that when Siri, instead of saying grimacing, it says grimacing. So it's not grimacing, it's grimacing. Now, I want to, I think this chap who, who's, who's now Siri on the British side needs to be 
put out to pasture. I wanted audition to be the new Siri because I would pronounce things correctly. I, I, I would pronounce grimacing instead of grimacing. But you know what? I think if I had to say potato, I'd probably do the potato. I love a potato. So uh, the, the nerd in me was watching the, um, the Apple event uh, earlier in the week here, you know, introducing the new, the new iPhones. Um, and one of the things that the, the, I think the lady who was introducing it said about Apple's secret chip lab. So it makes me wonder. I mean, it, then my mind wandered to fish and chips. I mean, it would be lovely if they had like a secret little uh, area where they could have crunchy chips and, and fish and chips. Because one of the delights of being in the UK, I mean, fish and chips is lovely with a little bit of beer batter. But one of the delights is like the crispies you get at the bottom of the chip bag. Some of those that will be a little bit overcooked, a little crunchy, a little oily. That, that, that is God's nectar. God's nectar is in a chip bag with those little crunchies there. And I'm just wondering if Apple's chip lab has any of those little crunchies you can just snack on. That'd be mm, so delicious. So I, I've probably been known as an oversharer in my life generally. But something very odd happened in the week. Um, firstly, I, I get very rarely do I get handwritten um, letters and, 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 and anything scribed in a pen uh, anymore. But in the weeks, so I got a letter addressed to me, to my house. And inside was a pamphlet um, saying, will the suffering ever end? Yes, no, or maybe. Why does God allow suffering? So I, I, I have a inimitable stalker at the moment, I think, or did have, I don't think I do anymore. But I wonder... Um, I wonder who sent this. And it's just like a apropos nothing. But this is what I got in the mail here. Dear friend, I'm volunteering my time in a Christian ministry to share with you an upbuilding message and hope from the Bible. Worldwide, millions of people are facing challenges as a result of many political, social and medical issues. The Bible reminds me that Jehovah God is lovingly concerned about each one of us. For I well know the thoughts that I am having towards you, declares Jehovah, thoughts of peace and not of calamity to give you a future and hope. I hope this encourages you. I'd like you to invite you to visit a free Bible-based website, jw.org, where you'll find satisfying answers to life's big questions. Sincerely. So, sort of an odd, odd note. I mean, I will often feel when I ever walk into a church, and I mean, I only really go to, into the church to have a glass of sherry with a vicar. Um, that I might be struck by lightning or burst into flames. So I don't know, some kind soul maybe, or something a little bit more sinister, who knows. So one of my favourite Twitter people uh, is at everybody's mum. Really fantastic, very funny lady. And uh, this came from, uh, she retweeted an act of patriot uh, type of thing. And this sort of warmed the cockles here a little bit. 83-year-old June Turner has won a bravery award as she tackled a robber by repeatedly hitting him with her walking stick. She has run a newsagent shop for 45 years. The man was arrested. And, th and, and there's, you've got this 85-year-old woman going to town with a walking stick on this burglar. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. I mean, the guys are sitting on the floor whimpering here. Um, but uh, hats off to June Turner um, for... Uh, for saving her shop and her and her and indeed her livelihood. So as you know on Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, we do like to um, you know we do like to dabble and delve into maybe new inventions. And I, and and somebody brought to my attention that I'm forever giving inventions that have been invented already. 
I think the Manx male Spanx had been invented already, apparently. But I don't think they have. I, I really don't think, especially the ones pulled up to the moobs. But anyway, um, but I was thinking in the week here how painful new shoes are, new sneakers. Like, you know, going back to my rainbow tennis shoes. I mean, I put those on and it's rubbing on the heel. I might as well um, be sitting in my feet in boiling water. But, I mean, why why don't we have a factory of people breaking in shoes, breaking in clodhoppers, as we call them in the UK? So a clodhopper breaker in butler, you know, no rubbing, no butler blisters. Your new shoes will feel like slippers. You know, it's almost like a clodhopper type fluffer, you know, warming up your shoes for the plates of meat, also known as the feet. So, you know, clodhopper butlers breaking in shoes. I don't know, maybe some people might want to, you know, me to break in some stilettos or another butler to break in some stilettos. Not really my type of thing, but still. But there's incredibly painful new shoes here. So, you know, a clodhopper fluffer and warming up the shoes for you, getting them ready and getting them comfortable for you. There's my invention of the week. So also saw on Twitter, um, I mean, everybody's every, every, you know, the main thing at the moment here in the US is getting everybody to go and vote. Everybody get, get to the polls. So Atlanta strippers have pulled off the best voting ad campaign I've probably seen yet. And... It's a rap video that has been produced and it's called Get Your Booty to the Pole. So it's Get Your Booty to the Pole. Pole is it pole or poles? I guess with a stripper it could be the pole. Get your booty to the pole. Get your booty to the pole. Get your booty to the pole. That's what it is. I mean you know, that in a British accent, of course. Um but you know it made me it certainly made me uh, contemplate and uh, and think here. I mean, you could have a pirate version. Arr, arr, gar, get your pirate booty to the pole. Get your pirate booty to the pole. Pieces of eight, get your booty to the pole. Pirate booty, ah, you mad. Um, and then my mind went another stage, as it often does. It is often does. And I, and, and I saw um, on Instagram, one of my favorite places to grab a, a snack in the UK. It's a Wells Cafe in North Norfolk, Wells Beach Cafe, and they had sausage rolls. I mean, why do that to a Brit living in America where you can't get a good sausage roll? You know, and it made me think of another version of the song. I need a sausage roll. I need a sausage roll, a meaty sausage roll, a flaky sausage roll. So good for my soul. I need a sausage roll, a meaty sausage roll, maybe even a vegan one, actually. A flaky sausage roll. So good for the soul. Anyway, there. So it started out as voting, went to strippers, then a uh, and then a British accent version of the rap and then a pirate version of the rap. And then finally, my mind wandered on to sausage rolls. Hmm. So some of the articles that may that didn't make it into the um, into Scallywag Darts this week, man cycles from poo poo to PP for charity. A man has cycled from twenty five hundred miles from Poo Poo Point in Washington to PP Creek in Ohio to raise money for the humanitarian crisis in Yemen. He ex travelled exactly sixty nine miles each day, not a mile more, not a mile less. You remember passing Shartz Road during his journey uh, on the Yemen relief. Um, so, yeah, Poo Poo. So he cycled from Poo Poo Point to Pee Pee Creek in Ohio. Um, let's hope he doesn't get, 
you know, the, the, the awful thing, cycling Tammy on Poo Poo Trail. Maybe he could buy a new, uh, you know, maybe he could get a new invention of padded cycling shorts with a built-in added, uh, with a built-in added diaper. So it's come up again about the uh, the Russian chess cheat who went into the bathroom, had a hidden phone, and was uh, googling his next chess move whilst pretending to be on the toilet. He's uh, he's come up again in a disguise and he's playing chess again, and then was ultimately banned. But apparently, it made me think back to the first time when he was found out in the bathroom, uh, you know, deciding, uh, uh, you know, knight to queen uh, queen two. Apparently, he made his escape that time around on horseback, performing an L formation. He had toilet paper stuck to his hooves, and he was dressed as a knight as he galloped into the night. So I don't know how many of you have watched that uh, that uh, show, that documentary on Netflix, The Social Dilemma. Very, very interesting. A lot of former Silicon Valley execs are now reputedly talking about the dangers of social media, how everything's basically watching you, logging you, everything else. I mean, so... Again, some of it's paranoia, some of it's incredibly true, but it's absolutely fascinating. So in the week, um, all these sorts of things on Instagram, you know, posting autumnal pictures, pictures of the hounds, everything. And I saw in the week Data Yogi. So I thought, what, what Data Yogi? What's this mean? Um, do, you know, the question I had is, do you get a grizzly or brown bear, you know, if it's Data Yogi? And then after three successful dates, do I get a picnic basket? Um, uh, or if I'm like failing miserably, uh, uh, do I get nothing if I make a boo-boo? And then secondly, the weirdest thing of all. So it was a fashion shop now on Instagram. And um, it was a picture of a chap, um, a much, much skinnier version of me, very similar hairstyle. And... Um, He's talking about, to me, individuality is simple. It's staying true to yourself, your values, innate vision of the world, regardless of outside influence. Unique vantage point, we all possess the potential to inspire and enlighten those around us. And then some of it's through clothing. And it's shop now. And I don't know anybody else. I don't know anybody else. Maybe in the UK, potentially. I don't know anybody else who would wear jeans and a cricket sweater. So you've got a, um, a, a cricket sweater, um, white cream or whitey cream cricket sweater, embossed around the V-neck with yellow and green. Um, it's cable knit and it's tucked into jeans. And it's, and it's specifically for me. How do they know that I wear a cricket sweater tucked into my jeans? I don't think I've ever seen anybody else wear it. It was, it was, and then again, it made me think social dilemma. Well, my voice almost made it. It's getting a little croaking and froggy uh, on this bumper bonanza edition of the podcast here. But thank you very much for tuning in. Um, listen to both. Oh, that's George Bark in the background. As I said, the leaf blows are going and the dog's barking. But keep, at Keep Cheese on Twitter, um, I'm on, uh, I'm on um, Apple uh, Podcasts, I'm on Spotify. Pandora, tune in, all of them. And George is uh, giving is the congregation in the background here. Um, but yes, so so subscribe, like, all of it, comment, whatever whatever you like to do about the podcast, about my strange eccentricities in this very whimsical portal of a podcast. And we finish with a poem by Madison Cowan. October.
I oft have met her slowly wandering beneath a lethe stream, her locks blown wild, her cheeks a hectic flush, more fair than spring, as if on her Samesh copse had smiled, or have seen her sitting tall and brown, her gentle eyes with foolish weeping dim, beneath a twisted oak from whose red leaves she wound a great drowsy wreath and east them down, the west wind in her hair that made her swim far out behind, deep as the rustling sheaves. Thank you again for listening uh, this week. I will be back again next week with the podcast Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. Lovely to have you here and cheerio for now.